0: Before we get going here, I have to note that this episode was recorded before millions throughout the country appropriately took to the streets to demand justice in the murders of George Floyd, Breonna Taylor, and Ahmaud Arbery, before the President of the United States continued to stoke the flames of division amid the civil unrest and even had a grouping of peaceful protesters tear-gassed for a disingenuous photo op. Before citizens of the world began to scream in unison, enough is enough, to racism, to police brutality, to injustice. Because of that, I recorded this intro to make it clear where we stand here, because taking a stance and making that stance heard and known matters now more than ever. It's pretty wild that in 2020, that's something so uncomplicated and true as the idea that Black Lives Matter has to be declared again and again. But it sure does. Black lives matter. And we here at Welcome to the Party Pal stand in solidarity with those protesting police violence and inequality across the country, and that will always be the case. While this show is about film and television and often acts as a means to escape, we have never shied away from political stances and discussions, so undoubtedly you will hear more from us about this moving forward and for as long as the fight must go on black lives matter and with that emphatically stated on to the show and thank you everyone out there fighting the good fight for what is so unquestionably right Welcome to The Party Pal, the mind-bending film and television podcast you didn't know you needed. I am one of your hosts, Michael Shields, here with uh, your, my co-host today in Chris Thompson. How are you doing, Chris?
1: Not bad, Mike. Great to be here again. Talk some leftovers.
0: Excited for this one. Uh, before we go further, just a reminder that Welcome to The Party Pal is part of the Osiris Media Group. Osiris has a whole slew of podcasts you can check out at, over at Pod. Dot com. Um, they got the goods. Check it out. And yes, as Chris alluded to, we are back at it today, continuing our deconstruction of HBO's The Leftover season by season. Uh, season one breakdown is in the book, and season two shifts the action from Mapleton, New York to the town of Jarden, Texas, a place which is unique in that, in the day of the Southern departure, which defines the uh, series, not a single citizen in that town was uh disappeared so so we got a a new location new um new characters uh, paired with the old ones and uh, uh, a fantastic showing of provocative and really thought-provoking um television what do you think of um season two chris
1: uh i you know i thought it was fantastic you gotta consider we're beyond the book now and you know the showrunners are just writing new material inspired by the book itself, and for me, by Tom Parada's novel. And to me, that's just always fantastic. You have all new creativity and world building, and I just think this second season is just another existential tour de force in dramatic television. We've swapped locations, like you mentioned, gained a new cast of characters, and now we're exploring both the scientific and the supernatural realms surrounding the circumstances and the fallout of the Great de- Departure. And it just, for me, I thought it was a wonderful wonderful season. And there were some really fantastic episodes in there. And, you know, this notion of normal still no longer applies. And so we have these people flocking to this new town, uh, Jarden, Texas, aka Miracle. And they're just hoping they can make sense of what happened in this town, or maybe find a safe place, um, and just so they can feel like it won't happen if it happens again. And just surround themselves with maybe like-minded people, and so it just it, it just pre- presents an excellent canvas to build a whole new story from. And I think that um, it was just a wonderful season.
0: What a clever clever move to have this whole um, this idea of moving the whole all the action to this town where um, the circumstances are far far different than um, you know what was the case in in Mapleton, and and they're obviously looking for safety. And it's just there's a whole lot to dig into here. But I've been thinking very uh, generally would just kind of been binging uh, leftovers the last few weeks. And, you know, I keep getting, you know, kind of spending time and thought about what I've really, um, you know, what, what appeals to me so much. And I just keep going back to, um, I find the show very, it's it's open to interpretation. Of course, there's a lot of unanswered questions and themes that, that, that just really are explored, but, you know, not, it's something you can't really know. and And I just think that's, so cool because you can really take those ideas and these themes and kind of interpret them in a really personal way, and I find myself doing that um, so often with this. And also, what you um, you can do with this show is you you find yourself, or I find myself putting putting myself in in their shoes, and and you know thinking about what I would do if this happened to me, or you know in Mapleton or in, in now in, in Miracle Texas, and and I think that just really. Um, it, it's just it's, thinking about how I would act and react. I, I feel like it teaches me a lot about myself and, and about um, about human nature in, in general. And, you know, the show deals so much with loss and, you know, the, the loss that defines what what our life is. And, you know, you think a lot uh, about how you how you would deal with this and how I do deal with loss. And it just it gives me so much to chew on. And there's, you know, it allows for a lot of um, soul searching.
1: Oh, definitely. You know, I think one of the hallmarks of a great piece of art is that it lingers with you after you're done experiencing it. Um, and, you know, with um, The Leftovers, like you said, you can juxtapose yourself and the characters' um, situations. And probably long after the fact that the, the episode is done, you find yourself thinking about it um, and sort of how you would react and stuff like that. So obviously it, it's a very interpersonal show. I mean, you become very emotionally attached to, to the characters and to the story to the point where you've, like you said, you find yourself maybe, you know, fantasizing about what you would do in a situation or you find yourself sympathizing with a character. And I think that's just one of the reasons why the show is so good, um, because it is so deeply personal to the person experiencing it. And, you know, I think all art that can succeed in that manner is is something that should be experienced. Um, you know, ultimately, you know, I felt the first season was very claustrophobic. You know, we had this small little world that we were dealing with in Mapleton, New York. Um, and we got these very, yeah, we got this very small perspective on this town's um, response to this um, great departure. And with, and with this new season, um, you know, things have been opened up, wide open. And we're getting a lot of more of the flavors of this new reality. The people, the places, the sights, the sounds, the colors, because we sort of see this town um as sort of like this new mecca people are flocking to it and to have it solve whatever problem they they have in their lives or seek whatever truth they're looking for there um so you know i i think that this season is successful because it opens the world up and it causes you to think even more you know it brings the lens back and you think about it in more of a greater um idea as opposed to having it be so finite and small as it was in the first in the first episode first season
0: he had absolutely opened up the world. I was always so, so curious what was going on outside the confines of Mapleton and, you know, the bigger picture of everything. So it was, it was such a thrill to me when they did take things out of that town and into this unique place. Um, yeah, they were going for, they were going for bigger things here and, and, and getting into bigger ideas they brought on for the season. Um, Riza Aslan, who's a writer, um, TV personality these days. He's, um, a professor what he's really is a religious scholar and so he helped him sort out a lot of ideas that were brought into the season and i described the season as ambitious and that's surely the case as uh and it starts out ambitious and episode one is entitled axis mundi that's where uh that's the location the physical place where heaven meets earth which is which is real unique but they had this nine minute opening which was really really wild um where they had uh it was in, it started in prehistoric times, and and it, what we found out it was the area right outside Jarden where a mother was trying to protect her baby, and it cost her her life um, in trying to protect her. But it was it was this nine minute drawn out scene, and it was just it was it was kind of hit you in the you know smacked you in the face. What is going on here? And you know you get to see how it relates to all the ideas uh, of the season moving forward, and we'll we'll get into all that. But what 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 a start to a season really.
1: Oh, definitely. It, it it came out of nowhere. I had to do a double take. Is like, what's going on? I mean, I, this show is known for being loose with the with the storylines and jumping around, but I wasn't expecting, you know, a ten thousand year jump back into the into the past to prehistoric times. I mean, w- what that woman was going through was just traumatic and devastating to watch. I mean, the suffering that she went through in the name of just protecting her um child you know i i felt it was just a really good sort of maybe a um uh allusion to what was going to be happening in the season you know it's sort of just showing the depths that someone will go to to sort of protect the ones they care about you know you know so i mean i I think ultimately when you boil this show down we could probably talk more about this in season three and, and when we talk about our concluding thoughts i mean this show i think is about family you know and it's just, and what would you would do to protect the ones you love? And I think this is just an excellent example of sort of, you know, setting up that concept, you know, visually for people to understand.
0: Yeah, absolutely. No, that's the thing. That's, I mean, that's what Jarden represents. I mean, that's, it's miracle. It represents safety and that's why it, 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 you know, it made sense. And, you know, it, it worked in the, in the, the overall stories, seeing the characters that we, you know, were, uh, we're following in Mapleton, that they would end up in Jarden. They, you know, we know what they've been for, and they were there um, searching for something that they can't find anywhere else. And that's yeah, that's safety, right?
1: I mean, the fact that you know it's a statistical anomaly and it stands out in the fact that nobody left, so you actually can't ignore it. So, and I think for this season, it's created this ideological battle. As that play here between those who believe that Jarden, Texas is special and those that don't. And, you know, that that's an excellent backdrop for the personal stories that come out of this season. And these, these are deeply, deeply personal stories. I mean, I, I think season one was very intense. Season two doesn't even deeper dive into the heart soul of soul, these characters, um, Kevin, especially, um, but a lot of the other characters too. And it was just really great to sort of be along for the ride for that.
0: And another thing that changed in this, um, this season, um, and and again right off the bat was um, they have a new opening. That new opening uh, um, song, which they use, it's called "Let the Mystery Be," which which each line seems very uh, pointed to to what the whole show is about. It's yeah. by um, Irish Dement, and um, it's kind of it's funny. It's kind of cheery, um, you know, which is very welcome in this darkened world. But um, also the visuals that go along within the opening, they have. They have the um, you know uh, kind of snapshots of life, and then the one person has got the outline that 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 they depart, and you can kind of just see how how you know it, it's very impactful to imagine those moments that could have been, but can't because the the other person wasn't there. Um, and then it's it's really it's it's it keep going back to how kind of like daring the season felt because then. We spend after the prehistoric, um, you know, opening and then the, the new song, and then um, we 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 spend about I think it's around thirty nine minutes or so without even seeing a character that was in season one because then we're introduced right away to um, a family that's a huge huge part of this season and that's the um, the Murphys and we meet John Murphy played by uh, Kevin Carroll. Um, He's awesome. I, I know Snowfall. I know I've seen him around. He's just spectacular in this. Um, then Erica, who's played uh, his wife, uh, the goddess Regina King, and then Evie and Michael, who which, which played pivotal roles in this season as well. But I mean, um, John, we, we, you know, get a good load of him right off the back. He's an intense, intense human being.
1: Oh yeah, definitely. I mean, I think that's the battle that I was speaking to. I mean, he's a firefighter who starts fires in order to protect the fact that Jardin isn't special. I mean, come on. He's-
0: it's so intense in that he um, he's he's just, he, he has no time he does not suffer for any of the like, um, faux religious mumbo jumbo that's kind of um, come up after after um, the departure. He just, he he does not believe in miracles, he does not believe in any of this um, you know, re- in any religious happenings that are, that are going on and he's just, he's so staunch in that belief and and he you know he's he's dead set on 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 standing up against it and it's really it's fascinating to watch
1: so you know when you speak to these you really get to see these characters convictions and especially in this first episode when you meet this new family I mean, at first I was like, what the heck is going on here? I mean, what is up with this town? And it immediately drew me in, and I just wanted to know more about it. You know, I, on some level I was sad to see the Mapleton storyline go away, but we were done there, you know? It just, you know, there's nothing there left for us. So i was glad for it to pivot to this new place. And we've got all these, you know, great <laughs> new um, plots to explore, you know? I mean, the, the battle between whether or not Jarden is special or not is just one of many that, you know, we can unpack. And, I, you know, it was just... Great, great story writing through and through.
0: Yeah, absolutely. I agree with you. Things in Mapleton have felt felt like they kind of ran uh, their course in a little bit. One thing I love so, so much about um, this series, and they do do this idea, um, do this trick, I should say, throughout the seasons where they show you one thing from one point of view of a character. And then at some point, maybe later in the season, or in this case, it was just the next episode. Um, where they show you, show it to you from another perspective, and I think that's really there's a lot you can learn from that trick. So, what happened in season episode one when we got to know the Murphys and this new town? Um, we got to uh, see see that same kind of time period, but uh, but from the perspective of the the Garveys who are coming into um, who are coming into Miracle, and we get to see just the amazing world building going on. Um, I mean, Damon Lindelof, he's just a genius in that, and and um, you know, you get to see the refugee camp outside of town, the Miracle Museum, um, you know, it's just it's really really stunning. But I just really love how um, you know we we got to see that different angle, and then you know th- these two together, these two um, these two episodes really act wonderfully to set up this new world, this new season. Uh, I kind of look at them as, as kind of like a, a team, um, in setting the whole thing up. It's really, it's wild. And, and then, you know, we're seeing that, um, Kevin's relationship with sanity is still, uh, all over the place. He's, I mean, it's, it's really played out well with, uh, the Pixies song. Um, where's my mind, which just rips uh, rips through the, the whole season, which is really cool. We see it later on, um, in a different, uh, format, but, um, I think I find it really relatable that he, uh, he seeks to quell the demons, the patty, the demon in his mind with loud music. I, I most certainly uh, get that, but yeah, what a, what a great setup all around.
1: Oh, definitely. I mean, I feel like Kevin is on the verge of like a psychic break, you know. And I mean, he's just the the weight that he's carrying is massive. And I, I, I did really, I, I, I won't say I smiled, but I, I really felt happy for. Kevin and Nora when they had that moment of truth I mean you know I've learned you know in my life I've gotten older that you know there's, there's happiness to be gained through truthfulness, you know, and truth can definitely set you free. And I just, I just, when I saw that moment when, you know, he says that, you know, he, he smoked cigarettes and he, he, he killed your sister. And, I mean, he, he killed uh, um, Patty and your brother helped me uh, bury him. stuff like that. And she's like, well, I, I have hickers, I have hookers shoot me, you know, like, oh, yeah. that, that to oh, me yeah. was that's moment that I'm talking about. I think it's, it's so an beautiful. amazing scene. I was just like, Oh, thank God. Like I felt like a weight was off my chest for God's sakes, you know, like, so, I mean, that's, that's just great television there. And the fact that they can bond over this mutual idea that they're both suffering and they can just, you know, um, just you know, remove that element from their relationship. Know that they're both hurting and then use that to draw them closer together as opposed to separate them. I think it's just really great story writing right there, you know, and I, I really love the character building going on there. And you see that all that's left there is like a desire to maybe love each other. And you know, when you separate away everything else. So it was it was just a gr- it was a great scene, a great moment
0: in that episode. Yeah, I really I get to think of that just kinda of like the through line of so much of this is just I mean, what does it take to stay sane in an insane world? And Jarden Jordan provides to, to a lot of people, um, at least the idea of it, um, that that sanity and that that's wild. So episode three, uh, it's called Off Ramp and um uh it's 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 it was it was a good one. Um it's it's kind of brought us back in touch with lori again and and you know she's um recovered i guess you could use that word from the gr and hoping to help others um it's great tom episode we don't talk enough about tom um and he 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 was uh what he was doing was going in to um uh, guilty remnant uh you know facilities and trying to and trying to recruit people who might want out but uh, you know don't know how so that that was fascinating what um the uh, name of the episode "Off Ramp" deals, um, alludes to well, a woman that Lori was helping, and she was trying to get back into her regular life from the guilty remnant. And it looked like things were going uh, fairly good. She was obviously struggling um, getting back to it, but um, at one point, and it was a shocking moment. This, this, it, it, leftovers is is, is jam packed with these kind of shocking moments. I I think of when um when uh. Nora uh, at first had herself shot. Um, there's just these these moments, and you're like, "Damn!" And this was one of them too, where uh, toward the climax or the at the climax of the episode, she she's driving her car. You kind of think she's, she's getting back into a better place, and she drives up the off ramp the wrong way, and, and and to you know kill herself and her family who was in the car with her. And it really points out just how difficult, how how crazy, and how hard it is to get, to, to get back to. A regular life after, you know, so much of this pain and hurt, and it's 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 it really shows how wild it is.
1: Right, exactly. I mean, the you're coming back to something that isn't normal. I mean, I think now it's you know, in, in our times we live right now, you, you could come back and say, okay, I, I can come back. You know, there's no disappearance of my family members. I have to live with every day. You know, but this situation is completely different. What you're coming back to is not anything that's healthy. So it's just there's. I think people are just trying to seek some sort of. Um, closure or some sort of certainty or some sort of answer and Guilty Remnant might have provided some sort of safe haven but when you find that that doesn't provide it, what you're going back to is not healthy at all either because there's all this uncertainty about where everybody went. So I, I think you could just try and think that everything's okay and um, but you're still really hurting and that, that episode, that scene does a really good job of showing that the struggle is real and the struggle is hard for these people and even with all of the best help and people working for them, they're still going to just... Um, do some of the worst things because it's just so hard to live, and it's just really powerful. Yeah, it really, um,
0: it really drove home uh, the despair a lot yeah, of people are dealing with. Right, exactly,
1: the despair and the hurting and the suffering. I mean, that's that's all over this entire show. You know, I, I thought the you know the season three, the off ramp. You know, the whole um, um, Tom and Lori trying to deprogram the guilty remnant members. You know, I, I, I appreciated seeing what they were doing, but it, I, I didn't really feel that. You know. The, the, the bigger story was what was going on And you know with Kevin and stuff like that So so I mean like you know the, the, <laughs> Get the, me the back season, to Jordan ep- Yeah exactly the episode didn't impress me very much I, I was glad for the world building and just sort of Seeing what they're doing but you know It, it didn't really linger with me like some of the other episodes Later on did so um,
0: Yeah no I think the episode um, Served its uh, uh, Purpose as as bringing kind of Lori and Tom back into the fold Letting us know um, what's going On with them and then uh you know, kind of set their their path in this in this season up um really well. Um because I mean they're kind of outliers in this season, but they it does culminate in a major way with them. Uh episode four is called Orange Sticker. This um this this kind of brought us face to face once again with with Nora's um Nora's pain and her fear. This that's I mean that was my biggest take takeaway from this uh Carrie Coon. I uh, say it again and again. She's just so unbelievable she's such a wonderful wonderful actress in this this episode um uh, she wakes up at some point and Kevin is not there and that's just she she just can't deal with that right now after what she's dealt with and you know just the 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 fear that that seeped into her and you could just see it and and um you know at the end they they you know they come to a, a, conclu- a, a agreement to use handcuffs to um prevent him from sleepwalking and You know, she just says, she says, I can't, I can't wake up, you know, like this. And I I can't. And then she's, you know, kind of looks at him with the handcuffs and we all in this, uh, we all in this together. Right.
1: Yeah, Yeah. I mean, it's, it's an odd relationship for odd times. I mean, you, and, and, yeah, in, in any other situation, locking up your uh, handcuffing yourself to, to your partner would be seem kind of weird unless you're sort of fetishist and into that. But um, in this situation, it seemed actually perfectly kind of normal. I mean, you, you need to you need to like engineer some sense of normalcy and safety. And if this is the extremes you have to go to to obtain that, then you know, go all in. I, I say, you know, I mean, you can't you can't be. Sleepwalking, tying cinder blocks to your leg, Kevin, and killing yourself and making me think that you've departed again. You know, I mean, like that's just something that can't happen to Nora because she's just so emotionally damaged. Their, um,
0: their relationships, it really, there's something there that like really, really draws me and it's odd. Um, but, but I really, I, I, I get it. And I really, really appreciate it. Uh, episode, uh, five, ain't no room at the end. it's a Matt episode and, um, Matt episodes, it, uh, it turns out um, are really, really stressful. Um, there's that one episode in season one where he's trying to save his church. Um, in this one, he's he's out of, out of town. He's trying to figure out things with Mary and um, gets jumped. And it's just it's so trying what he um, what he goes to. He's such a fascinating character to me. He's um, his positivity and righteousness is is something I'm just so so drawn to. He's got so much hope and it's just hard to believe that someone would, you know, be that righteous and hopeful in, um, in this world. And, you know, what, uh, and especially what he's going through with, with, with Mary's you know, uh, thing, but you know what, this, this episode, um, brought us into, uh, it afforded us our first look inside that, that refugee camp, um, outside of the park. Um, kind of, it was like, almost like a grateful dead, um, A lot where just everyone's on like brown acid or something. It just everyone, it's crazy what's going on there. But, um, it, it, he's, he's so righteous and the episode ends with him, you know, staying in, um, in that camp and, and, um, you know, he's, he really, he, he's a man of principles and it ends with principles and he's just, I just, I'm, 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 I'm glad they have an episode. They've done that thing where they give him his own episode uh, each season.
1: Oh, definitely. I I think that, you know, his Matt's convictions often do not serve him well immediately, but you know, they, they, they come Just the long arc of them actually serve him very well, but in the moment he's, he's put through the ringer. I mean, he suffers a lot for his convictions. I mean, just the fact where, I mean, finding out that his comatose, comatose wife is, is pregnant I mean the implications there are that he raped her I mean like you know I mean and that's like there's no consent and having just you know understand that is just like he he didn't even think about that you know he was just had his his wife woke up they talked, it was beautiful. They were, they were in love. They shared an intimate moment. And now the, the fallout from that is that now he has to, he he could possibly, you know, go to jail for raping his comatose wife, you know? And so, you know, and and so he has to prove that that didn't happen. And, you know, um, it's just an intense journey for him having to constantly be defending himself and defending his convictions when no one else is believing him. And I, 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 I don't know where his character draws all that sort of, um, Ability to suffer through all of it, but it's just—it's wonderful to see it unfold because I oh, mean, yeah, he believes. Yeah, it's, you it's, know, there's a lot right.
0: of um, a lot of people in in the characters we follow. They're they're wavering in their convictions. They're trying to figure it out. Some have, um, you know, are trying to even figure out what's what's real. But he he's so ardent in his beliefs. He's truly true to form, um, sure of what he believes in, and it's 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 refreshing in the show.
1: Great. Right. I mean, he sticks to it to the point where he has um, Kevin and Nora take his wife back to Jordan, Texas, so that he can just suffer on the, uh, you know, quote, cross, you know, to prove to prove that this miracle happened out there in a refugee camp. And he has nothing, no money, no place to sleep, you know, he, he just basically is willing to you know, prostrate himself out there and be like, what's the, what's "I'm." What's that
0: thing? What's that thing he um, traps himself at the end, where he, where he, you know, lets the guy loose and he's, Oh, it's like the the, the stocks where they
1: used to like put in town centers. You know, like he put his he puts his head and his arms through up on top of his Winnebago and he's naked. People are throwing garbage and trash at him and just like you know, he's like, "I want to take this man's burdens." I mean, he's basically suffering you know, on the cross for other people's, you know, like pain and suffering, you know, trying to prove that all of this means something and that miracles do happen. I mean, it's, it's, it's pretty powerful stuff. And, you know, what he goes through is really emotional and hard to watch at times, but I understand his motivation, you know, I, I, I found, I found myself wanting to believe him that it actually happened, you know, that his wife actually did wake up. Yeah.
0: Yo, no, I know. Luckily we do find out that, um, she did actually wake up. That was a really... Uh, good and important moment for those uh those matt fans of us out there. episode six is called lens um it, it this was great um i'm a big fan of Jim James of my morning jacket and this episode starts with uh his song a e i o u and it just I, I was i loved that but um this was one of my favorite episodes of just any season it uh the idea of lending it's um a term they use in this uh post departure world where if someone gives off Ray's of some kind uh, some kind to uh, make someone else, uh, they're using the term uh, for uh, departing now as lift. So it makes them lift. So what it is, is, is it's about Nora uh, possibly being a lens, um, meaning that, you know, her family, um, her whole family was departed. And then she goes down to Jarden and their neighbor, um, you know, Nora's neighbor, Evie, um, she might have departed. And so it kind of puts a target on Nora's back, and that's the that's the kind of the premise of this episode. But it just culminates in such a magical way with um, uh, Regina and um, Carrie Coon um, having a, having this conversation together. And I watch it all the time. It's just really, um, yeah, it just uh, it, it, they're kind of reading each other out and feeling each other out, and just having this deep, deep conversation. It's it's just. It just, I just think it's incredibly stunning. And, 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 and because of even just that one conversation uh, between those two incredibly strong people, um, yeah, I just, one of the best uh, that, that, that's happened.
1: Oh, yeah. It, it was, it's powerful stuff. I mean, it's two, two uh, women who have lost their children, just duking it out on their beliefs and trying to analyze all the circumstances that brought them to the point they were then. I mean, it's, it, it's another great, for me, another great Nora episode. I always love episodes that are Nora-centric. And the deep dive into the scientific um, aspect of the departure, for me, as someone who just loves world building and wants to just know more about, you know, how people are um, understanding this scientifically, it, I thought it was just wonderful. I mean, the idea of lensing, I mean, it reminds me of sort of the things that happen um, in astronomy. With astronomers, sort of the gravitational lenses that happens when, um, you know, um, stars pass in front of black holes and galaxies and the the light gets amplified. um, So you can see things that are further in the distance, they become closer. So the idea to me sort of that an individual can sort of amplify or magnify things and make them more powerful, I thought was really fascinating. Um, And, you know, in, in, in watching Nora try and sort of um, come to terms with the fact that maybe she may be responsible. Like she didn't have enough on her plate already. Was just really like you know it's really powerful to watch. And then watching her go through the different ruminations about is this true? Like self doubt. Did I really cause this to happen? And then you know kind of becoming amused, learning that the whole theory is based in sort of all these mysticism and religious religious beliefs, which she doesn't really believe in, which makes her sort of um, kind of just laugh about it and shrug it off. Um, but then just, you know.
0: Go ahead. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So we um we kind of skimmed over um uh, uh you know I like these theories too. I like to think about these ideas um you know of how it could have happened. We kind of skimmed over one that occurred in this season. and episode two was titled "A Matter of Geography," and um, it's something they, that that they they were thinking about um you know the the people who were studying the these, the departure uh, thought it could be just about location, um, and that's why Nora's home. Um, some researchers wanted it because they were, you know, they had uh, the whole family went there. So it became valuable. That's how they actually got the money to um, uh, they sold their home in Mapleton, were able to afford an expensive home in uh, Miracle. Um, but yeah, so and then you even think about the opening of this season where, the, uh, you know, that that earthquake occurrence, which we come back to multiple times, um, happened in that one spot in Jordan. Um So anyways, it just it's. It's about the idea that maybe it's just about uh, kind of like the the spot on the map uh, where you uh, where where you reside or where that person was who departed. Episode seven was called a most powerful adversary, which refers to uh, Patty, and it's the war going on inside Kevin's mind. This episode, um, you know, brought us deeper into uh, Virgil's w- a world. That's a uh, um, Michael's grandfather uh john's father um who uh who's you know he's into the occult and um he uh he he's he's he offers kevin a way to deal with this a way to deal with this this battle going on in his mind and um it what he offers is is something where he has to die kevin has to die to go into this wild purgatory world and um it turns out that once Kevin does die, um, so, so does Vir- is one of those, again, one of those shocking moments where Virgil pours out um, the antidote and then just kills himself. Cause, but it, it turns out he wanted to be there to aid a- in Kevin's battle. The battle that did take place was in the next episode, um, Episode 8, International Assassin. But basically what Episode 7 was, was just this monster setup for... Um, what I consider one of the better episodes of any television show ever, and that's International Assassin. What do you think of that one?
1: I mean, the the one-two punch of episode seven and eight, you know, a, mer- a most powerful adversary inter-International Assassin, I think is some of the best television I've ever watched. I mean, it is just absolutely incredible, just the raw emotion and just what these characters have to go through to sort of um, get the... Um, I, I lack of a better word the relief that they need from all their pain and suffering even even if it isn't even an answer maybe a, a, a move the ball forward in terms of understanding what 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 is going on um I, I think episode 8 international assassin is um I, I, I just felt like it felt like a a major win for a television show whose currency is just pain hopelessness loss and suffering i mean it, it just was this sort of this this sort of Ray of light, you know, and all this Intensity, um, you know, this episode Uh, there's just Roadblocks everywhere for Kevin's episode You got, um, you know Uh, there's the water that If you drink the water in this this sort of uh, Other world, you know You basically, you know, die forever And get stuck in this world, there's Patty having these doppelgangers and doubles who are trying to be duplic- duplicitous when he's trying to find Patty and kill her, you know, um, there's, you know, um, towards the end, there's the hangman on the bridge, you know, all these things just serve to heighten the show's intensity. And, you know, just Kevin's on this, this, like, you know, this journey to exorcise Patty, this demon from his mind. Uh, so we get some closure and it's just really intense. I mean, and you know, in the end, you know, Kevin's alive, You know, but he's forever changed. You know, he's freed himself from this powerful adversary, this Patty, who's haunting him. But to do it, you know, he had to, you know, in this other world, he had to push the child version of Patty into a well. And by killing himself and then killing her in this other world, he's come back to life. But he's not the same Kevin anymore because he had to go through this really intense emotional journey. And, you know, the the one thing I like about this episode is that I think this this episode just boldly and brilliant brilliantly draws us into, you know, this other world that happens, you know, basically this sort of, um, I don't want to say the word heaven, but like this purgatory where people go after they die, you know, um, before they move on to the next realm. Um, and, um, you know, the only way you can enter it is by dying. And so Kevin has to actually kill himself by drinking the poison to enter this world, you know, where he sort of puts on the suit of international assassin and has to go through this battle. But, you know, the key to this world, um, Kevin, descript, I think, discovers is belief. The only way to get to this world is to believe that it exists and believe that, you know, um, you're going to go there. So, you know, when, when Kevin takes the poison to kill himself, you know, he generally believes that he will be going to the other side where his nemesis, Patty, awaits. And I think if he didn't have that belief, you know, he wouldn't have made it there and been able to sort of free himself of the suffering that Patty has caused him. Um, so, you know, it, it's a powerful episode on so many different levels. Not only this new world they show you that exists um, on the other side of life, but also what it takes to the journey to get there and the journey to come back. And I think you know this wasn't just you no know, easy thing for for Kevin to experience. He had to go through a lot of shit in his other world to be able to. Um, in the end of the episode, you know, pull himself out of the dirt and crawl himself, you know, back to life from that grave he was buried in. You know, so it's just really amazing television all around yeah
0: yeah it's intense it's re- it's so so intense it's funny i've um i love this episode and i've i've tried to revisit it on its own before and just go back and watch it and just it it doesn't resonate as powerful if you're not um you're not in the scheme of of the things and i guess that alludes back to what we were talking about with episode episode 7 being such a perfect setup but you really need to be in the moment so it was something i was so looking forward to during this rewatch that just you know getting the international assassin within the scheme of things but you made such a good um point about this being a fun episode and you know because this is this purgatory is is this battleground and and um you know so we, we had this 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 battle here and you know he he got he got a chance to choose his kind of a choose who he was when he got there there was the the sign on the closet door um know first who you are uh, then adore, adorn yourself appropriately, and he chose the assassin. Uh, you know the the suit that that assassin might wear, so he knew it was you know it was on from there that he he was um, uh, you know getting ready for for this battle, and it was fun, and yeah, we got we got a win in a, in a world where we just we do not get many wins at all, and it, it was exciting, um, uh, and it's just there's so much going on in the episode. There's so much symbolism in it. And, you know, we could really, really get deep on it. But again, like I said, um, kind of to start. And one of the things that I love so much is, you know, with some of these themes and symbolisms and everything, you could really take, take with it, take from it what you want, what you will. And, um, you know, so I read into it in different ways, but there's some kind of overt, uh, symbolism, you know, there's the hangman, um, on that bridge, kind of a river sticks type vibe, um, the, you know, the well could clearly be looked at as a, a burthen canal. And there's just, I mean, there's a whole bunch of um, more overt symbolism in there as well.
1: The, the symbolism was, I think, my favorite part of the episode, you know, secondary to the storytelling. I mean, the, um, you know, the scene where the um, the girl, Patty, is drowning in the pool when it begins, you know, and then Kevin saves her. And then in the end, he drowns her in a well. I mean, it's just really like, I thought it was just really a nice sort of Um, allusion to what was going to happen to her in the end. And then just finding out that, you know, Patty was actually hiding in plain sight the whole time, you know? She was just this girl who was being, you know, abused by her father in in the room across from his hotel room where he was staying, you know? And then like, you know, seeing Virgil there and just sort of him being like, oh, I'm so thirsty, I'm so thirsty. And then finding him actually drinking the water and he's no longer able to help um, Kevin anymore because he doesn't remember um, being alive. And then, you know, the bird being loose you know, and, and, Vir, and, and Virgil takes care of birds, you know, he protects them. And then him actually killing a bird sort of just shows the finality of sort of him sort of being lost and going over to the other side. You know, um, there's just some wonderful and there's this one scene I really liked that, you know, I, I, I need to watch again where, you know, Kevin's, you know, in his international assassin suit, you know, costume when he's walking, I think, in the bottom of the hotel or stadium by hotel going to go meet some of the Patty's guilty remnant um, representatives before he actually gets to meet her, and you see walking down the hall. There's a a character uh, with a black hood over their face, and they're wearing a, a police officer uniform that looks very much like Kevin Garvey's Mapleton chief uniform. And he's walking the other way. And that that one comment for a second, I had to pause it. I was like, Did this. I mean, I want this is some symbolism about is this what you know is was waiting for Kevin if he had put the other. A costume kasiman when he opened the armoire and he had like you know the the um robe of the priest you know the um the suit or the Mapleton police thought if he had put that one on maybe it wouldn't have gone as well so he chose correctly so it was just really interesting to this just- Yeah
0: yeah no no I mean cuz at that time he was setting for setting for battle um he does go get he does get to go back and um because Kevin Kevin's got it rough and and dies multiple times he does got to get to go back and choose that um that cop uniform at uh at one point, and that's 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 very important because that sets him back kind of towards uh a path towards his family and um you know we're we're gonna get a lot into that in um the when we talk about the finale but uh, uh to get there we gotta go through episode nine which was called 1013. 1013 refers to uh the day before the departure the departure took place on uh October 14th 1014 and so this episode starts it's a it's a it, it reintroduces Meg for the home stretch really um she was with her mother at the uh um beginning of the episode um and she's like she's she's her mother passed on 1013 the day before the departure and so many people uh told her how lucky she was because of that because she knew she it, it, you know she watched her die she knew what happened And just it is I get why people would think that who um, lost someone in the departure and has just no answers. At least she had the answers. But it's kind of like, you know, how do you even define that as any any sort of uh, luck at all?
1: Yeah. You know, I mean, I I think the the luck idea is all depends on perspective. You know, I, I wouldn't say that probably Meg thinks that it was lucky. You know, because when you think about it, she was in the bathroom doing cocaine when her mom died, you know, so. And I, I think that is a good catalyst for her sort of retreating from emotion and just being this cold, unfeeling person, this nihilistic individual. And, you know, I, I think that the departure and the rise of Guilty Remnant came at a opportune time for Meg not that I think it was a, a good direction for her to go in, but she was already feeling that way, I feel like. And sort of just, you know, she, the fact that, um, you know, she was sort of reeling from all this suffering and she was already beginning to sort of like, you know, question, you know, um, her role in life and her path and stuff like that. I think that the um, the departure was sort of, um, it just served to push her in the right direction to sort of create this, Meg sort of character and um you know the 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 arc of it becomes pretty powerful towards the end where would basically, you know, guilty remnant just going full extreme, you know? It's sort of just
0: And then also we um we spent some time more time with uh Tom who is um he's hugging right. pain away, which I always thought is such a such a cool uh premise, especially especially now, but um, Meg is not too pleased because um, hugging anyone's pain away and making them forget and move on is not good for business at the GR. So um, yeah, getting Meg back in the mix and kind of seeing that um, the the GR are really, really planning something. You could feel things boiling um, and just really getting to, to, to whatever they have in store and that takes place in um, episode ten, which is "I Live Here Now," um, this is this was such a gem of an episode. Um, so much so that um, if the series ended, I think it culminated and, and just brought it home so well. Um, if it ended after this, I I would have been fine. I would have been happy. I would have been like, "That's just a you know a, such a wonderful near perfect season," and it just it just hit home. But um, this one was a uh, uh, rife with 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 big big. Uh, Moments, both um, you know, uh, on on a larger, bigger picture scale, and then you know, emotionally, and and into each character's life. There was the big um, bridge scene, which was kind of like the big culminating moment. Uh, The director of this um, was uh, Mimi Leader. I think she did the first one and the last one here. She's she's a tour de force. It's an almost feature length episode. It was shot, it said in thirteen days, which is. Pretty crazy, but when I I read an interview, she was talking about this episode. She was talking about that moment on the bridge, where everyone's storming, storming in into uh, into Jarden, and you you know, it's. But she really wanted to focus in on what that was about to her, Uh, not the big spectacle, but the emotional moment of Nora. Um, It was about Nora protecting her baby and holding on to the only thing she thought was real in her life, and that was, you know, her new relationship with. Her reason to live, which which is that baby, which is which is really really intense. Yeah,
1: it, it was incredibly poignant and beautiful. The 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 moment in that episode, which is a fantastic episode, um, so much stuff gets um, just so much stuff happens. It's just it's a lot. It's a tour force. But the moment for me, I think that really resonated with me when is when after John um, shoots Kevin and he and he dies again. And he ends up in the same hotel, um, in the other world, the after death world. And, um, the hangman this time forces Kevin to sing karaoke and he sings, um, Simon and Garfunkel's homeward bound and just such a weird moment, but the camera is, is, it's a tight close shot of him singing this slow down, just sad, just packed with emotion and just, um, Kevin just singing, you know, the words to Homeward Bound, you know, Homeward Bound, I Wish I Was, you know, um, um, Home, you know, Where My Thoughts Escaping, Home, My Love Life's life's Waiting Silently For Me, you know, and just, like, you can just see, like, the emotions pouring out of him. All he wants to do is get home and not die, and he just wants a normal life. And, you know, um, and, you know, everybody claps for him because he did a great job with the song, and he gets to go back and not die again. And, you know, much to everybody's mind. Yeah, right. To me, being blown again, you know, um, why aren't you dead? Um, so it's just uh, uh, that that scene to me was just powerful, and it, it lingered with me long after the episode was done. Um, but you know, th- there was there was just a lot going on in the episode.
0: Uh, beyond that, uh, you know, I found um, Mary's and Matt's reunion uh, in in this episode really, really heartwarming, and just had the joy on his face when he saw that she was okay, and then like we mentioned the. the it, how great it was to find out that there was consent there because that was all weird. But it was it, that was such um, a, a, a beautiful moment. But I mean, again, it comes back um, to Kevin's journey, and um, this was wild because it was it, it it really we found out that this was about Kevin's journey home to his family, and that's kind of why why I was saying it was so special at the end when he comes to his family and they're all there that broken, weird, different family, but family nonetheless. And it was just you know. Uh, it's although so much had been lost you know they were all there they they have who remains and that's what was so kind of you know the the wins are hard you know hard-earned wins in this one but it was it ends on such a hopeful hopeful moment a moment it was wonderful one other standout moment is um John finds Kevin and realizes he's alive and he's just shocked to see him alive and you know the thing with John that we discussed was he was so stringent in what he believed and what was what was going on in the world, and and we see him here um, vulnerable, unsure about everything, and it was it was very it was finally relatable, you know, like like the rest of us, not exactly sure what's going on, and you know he's and his his firm stance on you know what is is, is finally relaxed, and they just have like a really heartwarming uh, moment, and it was it was a beautiful their their relationship that that form there. Um, And yeah, that was that John part really, really got me.
1: Yeah. That moment of, you know, tearful reflection, you know, um, while they reflect in the situation, it was really powerful. And it was nice to finally see the cracks in the facade of, of uh, uh, John's convictions, you know, and, you know, just, I I think where the show excels and this season, especially is when you have these poignant, intimate, emotionally charged moments between characters where, um, you know, the walls are dropped and shit on the table and people just speak their truths like we talked about earlier in, in this episode, you know, and it just, you know, from that is forged a closer bond, you know, just like with Kevin and Nora in the beginning, you know, and now these guys are brothers. They've been through this shit together, you know, I mean, I mean, you know, Kevin should clearly be dead. I mean, he has a gaping oh, yeah. bullet wound <laughs> yeah, in his yeah, body. He I, I mean, out. Yeah, and John that, that is sort of like, his, he should have let out, but, but he, but he hasn't. And despite that, you know these are not normal times, you know, and you know um, nothing really shocks anymore. So, you know, despite the fact that he is this massive bullet wound through him, um, they still are able to have this poignant moment where they sort of um, come closer together, and it's a great way to sort of end um, the, you know, the episode there. Yeah,
0: there's um, there's a core theme uh, in my mind um, that that kind of ran through the whole season, and that um then that is that that which you know that which we love the most can um bring us the most pain into our lives and i think a lot of us uh know know what i'm talking about there but you also you can um you can't avoid that pain and and because i mean is, is that really living and you know it, you don't get to experience that the 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 joys and and the, you know the the heights of of love and the things relationships can give give us if we hide away from the pain that, that, uh, connection can give us. And, you know, and that, you know, brings us back to thinking about families and that type of, uh, deep, deep, deep connection. So yeah, this is, um, this is a show that made me think about connections in my life and, and, um, you know, it's, it was deep. It was really, really, really wonderful. I'm glad. I'm so glad that, uh, I've revisited this second season. Um, and I'm glad that we're doing this and, uh, thank you, Chris, for, for, uh, you know, doing the second season with me.
1: Always glad to be here.
0: Yep. And, um, we will be back in just two weeks. We're going to, it's time for everyone. Um, me, Chris, all you out there to dig in to, uh, season three of the leftovers. We're back, uh, just a couple weeks and we'll talk about that. And, uh, until then, thank you all for joining the party.